On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I'm joined by John Wilson to talk about fantasy baseball in a 60-game season. And in our Schmidt break, Justin Kleiner joins me to talk about Cam Newton going to the Patriots, what we can expect from these upcoming seasons, and high school sports in the fall may get changed. We have all that and more coming up on this episode. Well, everyone, it's finally episode 14. As you know, I took a break on Tuesday. Uh, I wasn't feeling real well. I don't think I have anything crazy going on. I just think I got too much sun, um, which can be a good thing, I think, sometimes. But my guest that was supposed to be on with me on Tuesday, he understood, uh, unlike my normal friend during the uh, the Talking Schmidt break, who did not understand that I wasn't feeling all too well. But my guest for this first two segments, at least, John Wilson, joining me again. He was on the show previous, a few Few episodes back, we're on to talk fantasy baseball. John, thank you for being understanding on Tuesday, unlike some people, and I appreciate you coming back, man. So I, I appreciate having me back, Ethan. You know, some of us are just we're more compassionate individuals than others. So <laughs> um, I think the individual you're speaking of, he lost that as far as one of his traits when he was uh, genetically put together. So. <laughs> Uh, you know, he, he just, uh, he said some more, this is, you know, I don't know if kids listen or not, but I can't say what he said to me. So, you know, um, you know, we, we don't want to put the the clown horn in this early into the show. So as I mentioned, (laughs) John and I talking a little fantasy baseball. Now here's the thing for those of you, I've actually, I've played fantasy football. I've had a league in fantasy football that has been going strong for seven years now. Um, it has had only, and believe it or not, there's only been four winners in seven years um, of this. The the, uh, the first winner was a very good friend of ours, Tyler Dickerson. Uh, my brother was the yep. second winner, and then they rotated back and forth for four years. I'm not kidding you. First and second season, and then third and fourth season, they bounced back and forth. Uh, then another good friend of ours, Jordan McGuffey, who's been on the show as well, won in year five. And then uh, Jared Karkoff, the Iceman, won last year. So we're on to seven years in my fantasy football league. But for the first time ever, I'm venturing out to make a fantasy baseball uh, league. Right now, we're up to about six people. We're going to take 10 total. So um, if you're listening to this, you may get a text message from me because I need four more people. So uh, with that being said, John, I know that you've played fantasy baseball a little bit obviously more than I have seeing this would be the first time um, so give me a rundown what I know there's like five different styles that people use um, for their fantasy baseball with rules and things like that what is the common one that you like to use and what do you feel is the best strategy for point totals and things like that yeah so I've been doing fantasy baseball about three years um, never actually managed the league but I have um, obviously participated. So um, the league rules that we use are the head-to-head, which I believe is probably the most, um, it's probably the most popular uh, of the, you know, the different rules that like ESPN puts out there. That's what we use ESPN. Um, But the thing about it is, is you've got just, you've got so many position players and um, so much of it. And the scoring so different than football, obviously Um, much like football, it's very, uh, you know, home runs are going to get you the most points. Batting, just like a touchdown, is going to get you the most points in, uh, in uh, you know, in football. So um, it's pretty. It's really pretty similar when you really break it down and get into it. You just have to know the sport a little bit. But uh, I got to tell you, it's a lot of fun. It's not as hard as people think as far as keeping up with. Um, but you know, like I said, I think the I think the scoring type. Head-to-head is probably the most popular. I'm not up to speed on the other leagues like rotisserie and those type of things, but um, the, you can get up to some pretty high point totals in the head-to-head scoring. Yeah, I was looking at it because, I, like you mentioned, this the rotisserie or the roto, as some people like to call it. I don't, I don't know if I'm just not a part of that crew yet or not, but uh, I was looking at that. There's season points. There's head-to-head in each category. Um, and then, of course, head-to-head, as you mentioned, with uh, with the points. Um, I'm thinking the best one, and I think the easiest one, because, as I mentioned, I was like obviously having to research this because I didn't want to go in blindly. As you mentioned, I'm going to manage this, so I also want to make sure it's fair for everyone. I was reading head-to-head, and I said, this kind of seems uh, like what I want to do here. So the head-to-head with the points seems kind of a uh, maybe an easier way to kind of watch it. Um, as I was seeing a lot of times scoring wise, I, I saw that, you know, like you said, home run, 
Uh, you might have your your five points for a home run, um, and then of course like a walk, a single, whatever it is, a one point, doubles two, triples three type deal. So I mean that yep. seems a little bit easier, and I think for anybody who's been around. Um, like you mentioned, fantasy football is probably a little bit easier that way um, to kind of see, you know, your points in front of you. I, I see uh, I'm at I'm on fan tracks right now to kind of look at points. Uh, this one has walks as one, singles as one, doubles as two, triples as three, home run as four, uh, stolen base would be two, hit by pitch would be one. If you score a run, it's one, um, an RBI is one. Um, and then, of course, for pitching, an earned run is minus one. Inning pitched is one. Strikeout one. A win is 10 points. A loss is minus five. Quality start would be three. And then if you get a save, it'd be seven. So yep. that seems like a, a pretty easier way to keep track. And then also because a lot of people, if you've ever managed a fantasy league before, you know, sometimes you get that random text message that's like, hey, man, how did I not get points for this? And a lot of times it's because, like, ESPN hasn't updated, and that's not really your fault, but sometimes things do fall through the cracks. So I'm trying to make this as easy as possible for those of us who will be competing um, this year for the inaugural uh, Talking Schmidt Fantasy Baseball um, league. I, d I don't have a name for it other than that. That seems like a really long name. We're going to have to kind of discuss what name we want for it, but um, what have you seen, I, I guess, in past years? How do you, you know, how does it play out? I mean, is it can you still get very like competitive with it? I know with fantasy football, it's kind of like you're watching on one day. Maybe, obviously, if you have a Thursday night, Sunday night, you know, Thursday, Sunday, Monday. But a lot of times, I feel with baseball, I mean, you might have, what, three games in a row. You might have four games, you know, back to back to back, you know, on days. So when you're when you're doing fantasy baseball, you know, are you are you really watching every single day? Do you feel like you get more involved with watching baseball that way? Yeah, you definitely do. So, well, thank you, baseball. You're going to be looking at it every morning because, um, you know, you'll have some days of the week where every team in the league's playing, and then you'll have other days of the week where three quarters of the league is playing or half the league's playing. So, um, you gotta you gotta really pay attention to it and uh, check in on what your guys are doing. If somebody's a scratch for the day, um, I typically. I mean, when you're in a league and you're doing something like this, you're going to be looking at it anyway because you want to know how your your team's faring for the week. So it's not like it's a huge burden to go on to, you know, your ESPN app and, and check it. Um, I typically will check it two, maybe three times before the game start, um, just really quick to see if there's any late scratches that I don't know about. You can also set up notifications for that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, it gets pretty competitive. Um it's a long, it's a pretty long drawn out season, but when you think about it, during the summertime, sports really uh, die off. I mean, all you got is baseball and some golf and whatever else you like to watch. I don't know, maybe the Tour de France. I'm not sure exactly when it happens, but um, anyway, uh, so it just gives you something to do until fantasy football season starts. Because you know, obviously, fantasy football is the king of it. Um, you know, like I'm not saying that this is what needs to happen for this league, but the other league I'm in is uh it's a hundred dollar buy-in but when you think about a hundred dollars over the course of a, of a baseball season uh that's pretty cheap entertainment so um but you know you're talking about scoring this league i'm in it's pretty juiced as far as hitting like home runs it's 10 points for a home run wow uh so you know it's 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 all about what you want to do as far as your scoring is concerned um you know we're pretty we're pretty big in our league as far as wanting to put power guys in there um, and get you know those types of guys in your lineup. But um, it's it's like I said, it's not that hard. It's not anything. A lot of people think it's daunting. I think Justin Kleiner made the comment last week. You know, I just I don't have time for things like fantasy baseball and stuff like that. Well, you know, I'm not really sure what Justin does in his spare time because I'm sure that he has some time alone to himself. So. Um, Anyway, but um, I don't know. It's it's really it's not that tough. It's 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 pretty easy. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, as you said before, baseball can be sometimes hard to watch for people, so it gives you a reason to watch it, and it just you know brings you some entertainment through the season before football starts. 
Well, Justin's going to be a part of the league, so no matter what he said, I, I coaxed him into it during the uh, the end of last week's show. I ended up coaxing him into it a little bit and saying, uh, what do you think? you think you'd be a part of this? And he said he's a competitor, so he's down. So um, I think yeah, for this 60-game like season, we'll see Justin Kleinert in there, and we might get to show him up a little bit about our baseball, uh, baseball knowledge. We're going to take our first break in the show. When we come back, John and I are going to talk a little bit more about maybe drafting this year because it's going to be a little bit different. As I mentioned, only a 60-game season. So what do you do with your draft? What do you look for when it comes to the certain style of how teams get points? We're going to take a look at that coming up after the break. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget, you guys can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Google Play. And you can leave ratings and reviews along the way as well. And don't forget, on social media, at underscore Talking Schmidt on Twitter, and on Facebook, at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the action. Well, welcome back, everyone, to segment two now of episode 14 of Talking Schmidt. My guest from segment one, John Wilson, still on the phone with me here in segment two. John, we are getting uh, excited for a a shortened, abridged baseball season. Hopefully it's going to happen. We know that there's been a few uh, MLB players who have uh, opted out for reasons uh, dealing with, you know, whether it could be family issues, whatever. They're really not wanting to play with everything that's going on um, right now, which for some of those players, I, I can completely understand that. But then again, there was a lot of baseball players that were saying that they were ready to play whenever this was going to happen. So I think we're going to have an MLB season. I don't have any worries about that. You know, one of the biggest names I feel that kind of said he wasn't going to play, there was, uh, of course, Ian Desmond and also uh, Ryan Zimmerman, who both those two are the bigger names that were saying that they were going to opt out of the season. So, um, but as we know right now, guys like Mike Trout, he seemed like he was ready to go when they were still looking to try to make a deal. Um, so from what we're looking at, from obviously I mentioned a few names that wouldn't be there, but you know, normally Trout's the guy that you're going to go with. If we're going with the standard scoring, and that's what we're going to go with, uh, maybe not the Juice League just yet, but if we're going to go with standard scoring, how do you try to draft? Um, you know, what are you going with with your first pick? If you have your dream first pick, is it Mike Trout or is it somebody else? Uh, well, first, I really like players that it's kind of like what Reed said. I think Reed said it in your fancy draft uh, part, uh, episode you did. I like guys who are kind of versatile that can play multiple positions. Yeah. Um, which is, it can be pretty important when you're trying to fill a lineup. Uh, kind of tough to do that on the, uh, early part of the, uh, you know, the first round of a draft because you're trying to take the best player out there. But if I'm going number one, uh, I'm probably drafting a guy like Cody Bellinger. Um, right now, I'm looking at fantasy pros right now, and he's the number four overall, uh, ranking for fantasy baseball players, but, He's also got first base eligibility and outfield eligibility. So, um, and even with the standard scoring, he's still going to be able to bring in a lot of RBIs. He's going to hit for average. He's going to steal some bases. Um, he's going to obviously hit some home runs, maybe some grand slams since he's playing in LA and they got a lot of guys that can hit the ball well. And that's another part you got to think about. Um, especially when you're drafting hitters, you don't, I mean, if it's a guy that is just a, ridiculously good hitter that's on a bad team. I mean, you're not going to necessarily not draft him if he's available, but you also want to draft guys that you know are going to have some people on base in front of them. And they're also going to be protected behind them. Uh, so they're not getting walked all the time. So I'd probably go with a guy like Bellinger first. Um, but you know, I like to build my teams. Like I said earlier, um, that with guys that have some pop because home runs are going to be, uh, your big home runs and RBIs are going to be your biggest uh, point scoring offensive, you know, statistics. So uh, I try to go that way. Um, it's not bad to have just an average hitter that can steal some bases too, um, because at the end of the day, you want people that are not striking out all the time. But uh, yeah, you know, and also pitching is pretty important. Also, I mean, uh, for instance, in this league that I'm in. Uh, Right now, 
had a, I was in a pretty tough spot. I think I drafted like third or fourth. Uh, and, you know, when you're in a snake draft, you got a long way around before you get to draft again. So I kind of had to switch gears a little bit because a lot of the good hitters were taken before I came back around. And I went really, I went pitching heavy. Uh, I went with a lot of good pitchers uh, because I knew that I wasn't going to be able to compete uh, with those other guys in the league if I tried to, you know, stick with my typical way of doing things of drafting uh, strong hitters. Um, so I mean, that might be another thing you got to do. I mean, you got to do some research and uh, figure out what pitchers could have a good year. It's kind of like hitting. You want to have guys that are on good teams that, you know, they're only going to give up one or two runs a game, but they're not losing, you know, 12 or 13 games because they're on a bad team. So, uh, sometimes it's just like fantasy football. Sometimes you got to switch gears and, and figure out another way to do it. But, um, yeah, like I said, I like guys that are a little bit versatile. I can play more than one position because you have those days where if only half the teams are playing, you got to fill, fill a lineup to try to get as many points as possible on a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, I actually believe it or not, because I've been very much, uh, I, you know, if, if I do something, I have a competitive edge as well. I just, I don't like to get embarrassed. And since this is the first year, I'm trying my best to make sure that I draft well and uh, and I don't get embarrassed in my own league. So I actually did a fantasy draft, drafted fifth. I ended up taking Juan Soto uh, with my first pick. Um, it was between him and, and Mookie Betts was my idea. Yep. And then the second time around, obviously drafting fifth, you're kind of in a good spot, but like you said, you know there was a lot of big power hitters off the board, so I ended up going with Scherzer uh, with my second pick. So I felt like I had a, a great ace, if you will, and then of course um, a pretty decent hitter as well. And in, in, in Juan Soto uh, took Jose Altuve in the third round; he was still sitting there. Um, and then of course, uh, and then I was going for Glaber Torres; he was taken right before that. Uh, ended up with Chris Bryant in my fourth. Uh, my fourth pick, which I didn't think was too bad, and then with my fifth, ended up getting Paul Goldschmidt. So I felt like I was kind of balancing out a little bit. Now, you're mentioning about the pitcher heavy. Uh, you have multiple pitching positions um, available on your uh, on your lineup there. You know, do you try to make sure that, because obviously with like relief, relief pitchers or closing pitchers, if you have guys like that in your lineup, there's a possibility they might not even see the field. Um, how do you kind yep. of balance yourself with, with a relief pitcher or a closing pitcher? You know, if you have a guy like Araldis Chapman on your team, you know, how do you really balance it? Because you don't know, I mean, if, if the Yankees end up getting blown out, does Chapman even come in the game? Yeah, so um, that's, where, that's where it can get kind of tricky because if you are in a position where you've drafted – Let's say you're ninth or tenth in a ten team league, so you've kind of gone back to back there. You've got some good guys, and you're able to build up some good hitters. But maybe your pitchers are falling behind. You've got to make it up somewhere, um, and you might even draft two closers in that position if they're really good closers. Now, with that said, you don't want to just draft a closer for the sake of drafting a closer. You do get quite a bit of points for saves, um, especially and you know a lot of closers are strikeout guys, so they may come in in the ninth inning get three guys out and a save and you get 15 points, boom, like that. And you could get that, you know, five or six days a week where a starter might, might pitch twice in a week. So, um, I, you know, I don't really go after just standard relief pitchers. Um, I don't, and I don't think any of the other guys in my, in my league do either. Um, if I'm going to draft a reliever, it's going to be a big time closer like a Chapman or, um, you know, one of those guys, maybe a Kimbrell or, or a Josh Hader in Milwaukee. Uh, but, um, you know, you, you don't want to go too close or heavy. You, you, you want to go starters because you're going to have 11 or 14. It's one of those two numbers I can't remember off the top of my head. Starts a week to use. So the more quality starting pitchers and quality starts you can get, the better. Because at the end of the day, you're going to get more points. Uh, in one outing most of the time from a starter and you don't know whether a closer is going to, a closer might go twice in a week or they might go five times in a week. I mean, you just don't ever know, but, um, you don't want to draft three or four closers and be like, Oh, my pitchers are going to be great. Uh, you might at most draft two. It just kind of depends on what you're looking at with the quality of the starting pitchers you have. So. 
Yeah, that was that was another thing that was confusing me because I was like, man, how many times do I need to get a relief pitcher here? Like I said, this is the first time doing fantasy baseball, so for me, man, it, it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's stressful because I feel like I know the game well enough, but it also does get to a point when you look at it and you're just like, all right, am, am I you know how do you really manage you know a, a team like that? I guess you know, like you said, if it's a if it's a talented closer. Um, and you have a team that, it, and granted, with with the sixty game season, we might see closers more at this point. You know, if a team's able to kind of, you know, kind of rattle off a few wins, or you know, and then what I'm thinking is going to happen is we're going to see some really good win totals this year, uh, some pretty good win percentages for teams. You know, in those opportunities, do you take a team? You know that does have a lot of powerful bats. Do you maybe pick up their closer because you know he's going to be more than likely being used? And, and the names you mentioned are all teams where you could definitely see, you know, those lineups getting an opportunity to get a pitcher, you know, in those seven or eight innings, and maybe get your, you know, setup guy in, and then the closer in in the ninth. So, you know, I, I really liked, uh, I really liked that because I, at first I was sitting there and I was like, do I even need relief pitchers? How many do I need? Do I need, you know? So, you know, when you're looking at it and you're looking at your lineup. You know, how many starting pitchers do you feel like you take? Um, and then, you know, you do have some bench players. Do you kind of add another um, pitcher there, or, or do you try to just keep solid, uh, you know, hitters in those bench positions? Yeah, so I keep hitters most of the time in those bench positions because uh, with pitchers, it's kind of like a flex player in football. If you don't have enough, if you're not going to get enough starts, so at the beginning of the week, you kind of go through and see how many starts you're going to have when the week closes. And if you're not going to, like, let's say you, you get 14 starts in your league and uh, you, that week it's looking like you're going to get 11 or 12 starts from your pitchers, well, that's when you try to stream guys. Uh, you know, you, you go into the, into the uh, I guess, the fantasy portal or whatever, uh, free agent portal, I guess is a better way to put it. Uh, see what guys are going to be throwing, who they're pitching against. If that team they're pitching against has been struggling hitting, if that guy's been pitching well, um, because you're also only going to get five transactions in a week most of the time. I know the league that I'm in, uh, we we can only do five tra- five transactions throughout the whole week. So that might be, you know, you're trying to fill some spots because you got some injuries happening in your in your fielders or your position players. Um, you need to stream some pitchers, so you got to be really smart about it. Um, but because when you when you look at it on Monday and you go through every day of the week uh, when it starts. It'll show you, you know, it'll have a black S next to the guys who are going to throw on what day. Um, so you can kind of get a feeling at the beginning of the week of how many starts you're going to get. And then from there, as the days go on, like, okay, well, I'm going to stream a pitcher today. Let me go see what's out there. Um, so uh, just, just, like, just like in fantasy football, you know, you may have some injuries. You need somebody in the flex position or, uh, or a wide receiver or a second running back. Uh, and there might be a guy that's been playing well. You're like, okay, oh, well, I'm gonna stream this guy this week. And, you know, this team they're playing against got a pretty weak dip- defense against running uh, pass catching running back. So let's go with them. Uh, so uh, that's something I have to do a lot. Uh, it's not just me; it's what other guys have to do. You may have one. Sometimes you might have one starting picture, pitcher on your bench. Um, but like I said, I like to keep position players on my bench because that's going to be where you're going to be moving guys around a lot more than in your uh, start. You know, with your starting pitchers. Seems like a lot of information. I'm looking forward to having the season, man. I, I think, uh, you know, anybody that's played fantasy baseball, you know, it's obviously going to be kind of new for everybody just because of how short the season's going to be, how rapid the games are going to also be played. Um, but I'm, I'm also very uh, excited for it because I feel like it, it's going to give us kind of a, you know, I, I think what we all kind of need in the sports world as sports fans is a, a break from what we've been having to go through because we're going to be able to actually have those live sports. And, you know, like we said, you know, baseball kind of needs some sort of resurgence here um, after having such a late and, and such a delayed start to what we are expecting from them. So now I think fantasy baseball might get people fired up to really get back involved. John, um, I won't let you, I won't make you give away any secrets, but uh, you know, do you, do you have a certain strategy that you think you might try to go with? Um, obviously it can always change because, you know, you never know who's going to get drafted at what point, but is there a strategy that you want to go into, uh, go into with this season? Yeah, I think that, uh, if it's me, uh, I think the pitchers are going to have a little bit of a leg up 
because when it comes to hitting, you know, obviously they're going to have a little bit of a spring training, and these guys uh, uh, have have been practicing, and I guess they're extended off season, but it's a pitchers are going to be able to come back a lot faster than a batter is going to be able to, and I don't know how much live pitching they're going to get before the season starts, uh, as far as the batters are seeing. Uh, so I'm probably going to really focus in on those quality pitchers uh, because although the bats will come around, I think, you know, the first two to three weeks of the season, uh, which, you know, that could be, that's going to be a quarter of the season right there. The pitchers are going to probably dominate. Uh, and then your batters will come in on the, on the back end, and, but the pitchers will obviously con- continue to be successful. But um, I'm going with pitchers, man. I like, I like the way the pitchers are going to look. It's obviously going to be a lot different with only 60 games. Uh, I'm not as worried about injuries either. Uh, you know, guys are just going to be kind of going, I guess, for lack of a better term, balls to the wall, trying to make it to the their playoff format this year. And um, it's really a, it's any team can win it. It's what I was telling somebody the other day. It doesn't matter how good a roster you have this year. It just takes you getting hot. And in 60 game season in baseball, if you if you're hot for 30 or 35 games, then you're going to be way ahead of everybody else. I like it, man. I appreciate you coming on with me here and talking a little fantasy baseball, man. I hope it uh, helps somebody that might be on the fence of if they should play or also on the fence if uh, you know they, they're worried about it because I think we're all looking at it and there's going to be a, a million strategies that, that you can use. But, John, thank you so much, man, for joining me uh, this week, man. I, I hope you have a, a great rest of your week. Yeah, you too, man. Look forward to hopefully coming back again. Absolutely, man. We're, we're going to have to now because we're going to be in the Fantasy Baseball League. I have to talk to winners each week, man. That's how it's going to have to work, man. It, it makes for well, good show you'll content. Talk, you'll be talking to me a lot and then <laughs> Justin Kleiner just a little bit. Oh, man. That's why I have to do the Schmidt break so he at least gets on every episode, right? That's right. <laughs> All right, John, man. I appreciate it. As John said, I'm going to have to talk to Justin next. It is the Schmidt break. We're going to have that coming up after the break. And it's finally time for everyone's favorite portion, or at least Justin's favorite portion of every Talking Schmidt episode as we get into the Schmidt break. Justin Kleinert, of course, joining me uh, on this uh, episode 14. Uh, I did I did rib you a little bit in the uh, first part of this show because I said that you know I wasn't feeling real well um, leading into Tuesday's episode, so I had to take a break. And I said, uh, I told John, I was like, John, I know you were a little bit more uh, understanding that I needed a little bit of rest. I said, Justin wasn't as understanding. And he said, well, Justin's not that as compassionate as I am. So I have to let you defend yourself a little bit on that. <laughs> uh, I don't think there's no need for defense. I'm a grown-ass <laughs> man. Uh, John, John's just a boy. So oh, no, no reason to defend myself. You know, I, I feel like I'm a pretty gracious person. Uh, you know, I feel like I show empathy when empathy is needed. Uh, so if it's deserved, empathy will be shown. I, I think I deserved it just a little bit. It was hot, man. I was hot. I'm trying to get readjusted back to the, you know, Tennessee weather and the humidity, man. It, it gets me sometimes. Fair enough. As Fair you, enough. you know, as well as anybody else, when I very first moved back here, when we were, my dad was stationed in California, I very first moved back here and, and literally, um, summer camp, the first year, summer football camp, my sophomore year, I didn't, I made it what, two days, a day and a half. And I was like dying. It, it, for, for anybody that's not used to Tennessee weather, uh, it, it can be a challenge, uh, all the seasons, you know, so you get the crazy allergies in the spring and, you know, you get the, just the hell just temperatures anywhere from, you know, really April all the way into September and October. Uh, so, you know, you it, it can be a little tough. Yeah, I'm just trying to get my body acclimated back to the weather uh, here in, in Tennessee because, I mean, I went from, you know, being in Tennessee to, you know, I spent two years in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan um, where the weather, it could be like 40 in July. Uh, and then down in Joplin, which was, a you know, it still had its humidity, but there's, and when you get in the south, boy, you better get ready to just sweat. Um, and I have, I had forgotten it, it, that it is, it is un-American to spend the month of July in 40 degree weather. It felt yeah, nice though. <laughs> it that, felt that, a lot those better. Are, 
those are communist temperatures right oh there. my lord it, it felt a lot better to be able to be a nice cool 50 waking up putting on some shorts felt good man um yeah, in, in july standing in bread line. Oh my goodness. All right, man, let's go ahead and jump um into uh into the Schmidt break here. Um one of the, we have three topics that we're going to look at. The first one that we have is uh it's it's at the national level. It's Cam Newton. Um Cam Newton, as we all know, signed a one-year deal with the New England Patriots. I thought it was a good pickup by the Patriots. Um right now, you know, they were going to go with Jarrett Stidham. Uh, I I think Cam Newton's obviously a better option. He is going to be coming off of a, a, a foot injury that uh, he reaggravated in like week two last season, um, and he missed most of 2019. The season before that, he did have a, sh- a shoulder injury that he ended up getting operated on during the offseason going into 2019. Um, I think that when you look at a guy like Cam Newton, um, he's only had two seasons in his entire career where he hasn't thrown for over 3,000 yards. Um, it, it, with Bill Belichick, I, I kind of feel that my idea behind this is this still the fact that um, Bill Belichick is is working on a deal to somehow um, get Trevor Lawrence out of Clemson, and I feel like it's going to go down this way, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Justin, but my idea is that they got Cam Newton. They're still going to be a, a powerhouse in, in the East with Cam Newton. They're going to make the playoffs. People are going to say Cam Newton is back because of what happens in New England. They're going to be able to trade Cam Newton to a team that thinks that they need a franchise quarterback fix now, and somehow they're going to end up with that top pick and get Trevor Lawrence. And so what do you think about my idea here um, on Bill Belichick being able to snag Trevor Lawrence? It's, it's awful. It's, it's, it's worse than like a Skip Bayless or a Stephen A. take. It is just that garbage. Um, Bill Belichick, a great football mind. Okay. Uh, one of the key reasons that I, I think they contributed to Brady leaving the Patriots was the lack of weapons around him on the offensive side of the ball. You've got an aging defense that can no longer carry that team. They're not as impactful as they were. We've seen that in the playoffs this past year. Uh, so if Brady, who, who's you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, is leaving the Patriots because of the lack of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Now, granted, Newton's not a 43-year-old quarterback, uh, but I don't know that Newton's going to have enough of the offensive talent around him to help support him. Um, you know, and, and first off, Cam, Cam's got to stay healthy. Uh, listen, I think it's a great move. Um, right now in the NFL, you know, they're quarterback rich. And the NFL hasn't been quarterback rich ever. You know, it's almost like, you know, a game of musical chairs. There's, you know, there's a whole lot more people than there are chairs when the music cuts off. And so there's a lot of really good quarterbacks that really didn't have landing spots, and Newton was one of them. Uh, I think it's a great marriage. Uh, but everybody knew Belichick was not going into the season with Jared Stedham. Uh, I, I don't think he was going to rekindle that Tom Brady magic 20 years ago with Jared Stedham. Uh, I think Stedham's a good quarterback. Uh, but, I mean, Cam Newton's really good. Uh, and when he's healthy, he's a difference maker on a football team. Um, I'm happy for Cam. I hope Cam has all the success in the world. Uh, you know, of course, as long as they don't play the Tennessee Titans. Uh, you know, I think this is no more than a one-year deal. Uh, you can look at it one or two ways. Cam does really well. Um, I doubt the Patriots have him back next year. Cam doesn't do well. Patriots aren't bringing him back next year. This is a one-year deal for Cam for him to find another one-year deal. Uh, Cam's got a great arm. We'll see how it is, uh, you know, coming off his Liz Frank injury with his foot. Uh, see if he's still able to move the same way. His legs are such a huge part of his game. I feel like in games where he's able to get his legs going early, he throws the ball really well because uh, he gets his confidence going. Uh, you're not going to see a prolific Josh Daniels, Josh McDaniels offense around Cam. Uh, it's going to be pretty much like it was with, uh, you know, Brady there and, I mean, I think they're in a better position now, but I mean, as long as Belichick's your head coach, you're going to be favored to win the AFC East. I mean, the AFC East is garbage. Uh, you know, you give me Belichick and who the hell ever, and I'll take that over Josh Allen and the Bills and Miami and, you know, whether it's Fitz Magic or Tua and, you know, say the Jets, Sam Donald. I mean, he's out there seeing ghosts. So, I mean, you know, I'll take Belichick and whoever's playing quarterback. Um, over anybody else in that division. So, I mean, you know, I think their chances on the Super Bowl went up a little bit. 
uh, they're going to be fine. I mean, I'm curious to see who has the better year. I think you're looking at probably down in Tampa, best case scenario, you know, like a 13 and three. Uh, worst case scenario, I think maybe a nine and seven, 10 to 16. And the Patriots, I think at best, you're probably looking at an 11 win team. At worst, maybe an eight win. But I mean, I think the East, the AFC East can be won with eight wins. So uh, we'll just have to play it and see. I think it's a good move. Um, I don't see the fairy tale ending. Eventually, the clock is going to strike midnight and everything's going to turn back into pumpkins. So I do not believe in your fairy tale ending. Well, one thing about Cam Newton, uh, you, you were mentioning that, you know, Tom Brady, he really never had that prolific guy. He had Randy Moss for, you know, for, for a few seasons. Wes Welker uh, came within his, you know, came into his own there. Rob Gronkowski. Um, during that time as well. And then, of course, Julian Edelman, who was a converted quarterback to wide receiver. So, you know, he's never really had those talented guys. In the same sense, I feel Cam Newton really hasn't had, you know, over-the-top amazing players. He had Greg Olson. Um, he had Steve Smith, you know, later in his career. Um, but, I mean, other than those two. McCaffrey. But he had Christian McCaffrey only for what? I mean, Christian's going into, what, his fourth season? So, I mean, third or fourth season. So, it really, he's only had him for, you know, a later part of his season, you know, uh, or a later part of his career going into season number nine now or season number 10 for Cam Newton. So, you know, when you really look at it, he's never really had that same kind of, you know, playmaking offense either. It's really just been, for him, it's been Cam. I think, honestly, you know, Julian Edelman, even though he's kind of up in, in age, but, you know, I think he's kind of going into a similar situation, you know, with weapons that he might have that he kind of had in Carolina. He had some names that he that he could rely on, but really it was Cam for most of those seasons kind of making things happen. So I don't know if that's yeah. going to be a, a huge difference. Make I mean, he's not going to go in and, you know, obviously, you know, you look at what Tom went down to in Tampa Bay where he's going to get Mike yeah. Evans, who is a prolific receiver, and he gets Gronk back. So I just kind of look at Cam thinking like, you know, he is going to go in a situation where he does know that he's going to be able to, you know, rely on a guy like Julian Edelman. He's going to have Chris Hogan a little bit, but, yeah. you know, nothing nothing well, too Ju crazy. Julian Edelman, Julian Edelman told him washed up. You know, now that he can't juice anymore, he's not as an effective player. Uh, you know, Brady's going down to Tampa with a full cover of the players. I mean, he's got three stud-ass tight ends on that roster down there. He's got Godwin and Evans. I mean, you know, he is – this is probably some of the best talent that he's ever had in his career. And Cam Newton's going up there with, with just not a lot of talent <clears throat> and not a lot of potential moves to be made between now and then to get any talent around him. You know, what he's going to have to rely on are his legs, and unfortunately that could lead, you know, as a 31, 32-year-old quarterback to some injuries for him. Uh, but, you know, he'll, he's good. He's good at offense. He can get the ball out of his hands quick. So with, you know, somewhat ineffective receivers running short routes, dinking and dunking it, you may have some good results. We'll see. But, uh, you know, the Sony Michelle experiment is going to have to get a lot better, and they're going to have to lean on that run game a lot more for Newton to have a good season in New England. Uh, but Brady is just walking in to just a, uh, <laughs> just a cupboard full of talent down there at their skill positions in Tampa and just an offensive genius in Bruce Aaron. And Chris Hogan, I, I misspoke on that. He is a free agent, so really Julian Edelman yeah. is the top yeah, guy right now. Agent. But as you did mention, Sonny Michelle is a very talented running back that you know they're going to have to get that run game going. Um, and I, I think you, you have – you know, ability to to really make something happen with that. Let's jump into our next topic here. Um, I, I kind of have a question that's going on, and, and I feel that you know, if you're a sports fan, and you're really reading into certain things. You're kind of uh, having to think. And I know you're a true optimist, Justin. I, I know you'll tell us that. But right now, are you feeling optimistic about? NBA, NHL, MLB really doing stuff with you know. Every time you see a post these days, it just seems like everybody's saying, "Well, if." If, if, and it's not one of those things where we can get a concrete, like, when this happens. Are you feeling confident, or which one do you feel more confident that we're going to see out of those three? Uh, out of those three? Uh, uh, can we say out of those four? I mean, we're going to play, we're going to play, the NFL's going to play. Well, yeah, uh, I, I feel that way as but, well, but. Yeah, you know, so, okay, so first let's start with the NHL. The NHL. They're the same boat they were before. They got a plan. They're like damn Elizabeth Warren. They got a plan, and that's it. Nothing else to it. They got a plan, that's it. 
So who knows what they're going to be able to do. Listen, I, I'm going to be 100% up front with you. Not a huge hockey guy. You care less the NHL comes back or not. Uh, that as a sports fan, that's not something that I really enjoy watching um, on TV. Okay, in person, you know, I'm not going to disagree with anybody. It is a great atmosphere. Again, in person, I don't care to watch it on TV. Okay, um, then we'll go to the NBA. Okay, this bubble plan that the NBA has come up with it seems like a great idea up front. But what if that bubble is penetrated? Well, then you just have, you know, positive tests running rampant, and you're going to have positive tests. So do you just shut everything down? That's just not feasible. And, and this plan is going to cost them over a million and a half dollars a day, not including pl- paying any of the players. So this is a high-dollar, high-stakes bargain. And, I mean, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if they're going to be willing to take the risk to go down there. Now, I will say this. If LeBron James continues to say he's going to play basketball, the NBA will play again basketball down in Miami uh, because they want nothing more than to get LeBron another championship. Uh, now, granted, this championship, if he does win, it will have an asterisk by it. Uh, but nonetheless, like the NBA wants LeBron to win a title, and they're going to do everything they can. Uh, but I think if he says he'll play, I think other players are going to play too. Uh, you know, he's the voice for the NBA. Now, <clears throat> I think. What's going to backfire on the NBA, the NBA is I think they're putting a lot of uh, a lot of stock into their TV revenue and what they're going to get, and unfortunately, due to them going up against Major League Baseball and the NFL and college football uh, towards the end of their season, and some of their you know social justice warrior stances they're making, uh, they're going to turn a lot of fans off, and the ratings are going to tank even more than they were before. Uh, so you know they just need to shut up and play basketball. Um, and then when you're away from the basketball court, then take your stances and use your platform. Uh, but while you're in uniform and on the court, you just need to play basketball and provide a great entertainment value to the fans. Uh, and then lastly, Major League Baseball, listen, I'm ready to go. This 60 games has got me excited. Uh, we're not going to have to, you know, every game matters now in Major League Baseball with this 60-game season. I think it's going to be exciting. I think it's good for the players. I think they're ready to go. Uh, and, you know, Cubs fans are going to get to sit in the stands because they're going to open, open those rooftops. So there will be some fans that get to enjoy live baseball this year. They're going to open up the rooftops there. Nice. Uh, we'll see. Well, I'm glad you're excited for that because, uh, you know, you're part of the inaugural uh, Talking Schmidt Fantasy Baseball League. So I'm glad you're excited for that. Uh, moving on to our final topic here. It's something that's more local for us, uh, more regional, but it is affecting um schools and, and, and high school players around the nation is that there's a lot of plans uh, right now to uh, – there's some places that are trying to push fall sports to the spring. Uh, right now in Tennessee they had four plans where they're hoping that after August 29th that practice would start August 30th, which means that the first high school football games would be played on se- September 18th at this point. There's also been plans in place where if this some things do happen, some things fall certain ways, there's a possibility that they try to cancel playoffs, they try to cancel state championships and just play a season. You know, it's one of those things where, at least for me, and, and I, don't, I don't know, you know, I, I feel that everybody, the main reason why you're playing these sports is because you know, you're either trying to, you're trying to get recruited, not, you know, number one, that is one thing that you're trying to do. But as a team, your goal is always to win a state championship. Do you feel that if they are in in a mode where they take away playoffs and they take away a state championship, you know, do you feel like these players are going to want to still go out there and play um, the season? So, so like you said, the TWSAA has, come up with four different plans on what they'll do after August 29th and what's decided there. Okay. Um, first off, the state of emergency order for the t- state of Tennessee is it, just dumb. You know, we, we've got a conservative ma- a governor of the state of Tennessee. This is not a, this is not a conservative move. Uh, the, the whole state should not be in the state of emergency um, it is not impacting, it doesn't seem to impact the rural areas as bad as it has the larger cities uh, and counties. Um, so I, I don't think they should scrap it all together. But I think what people are failing to realize here is you need 
you don't need to push things further off. You need to do them now. Because all we keep hearing out of these scientists, and, and Lord knows what's accurate and what's not at this point. So who knows if they're fall predictions and everything, you know, just, you know, everybody's grandmother dying around Thanksgiving and Christmas. Who knows if that's accurate? But what they keep telling us is the colder it gets, the worse it's going to get. So the same with the flu season, okay? So why we are not starting seasons earlier doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't. So you're going to push the start of it all the way to September 18th? That, that, that's just an absolute waste. Because, again, all the professionals are telling us, oh, it's going to be worse the later on into the fall you get. So why not try to get these kids back in as quick as you can and then just start rolling absolutely as soon as you can with games? Now, what you decide to do with fan attendance, I, I, I don't know if I'm intelligent enough to make that decision. Uh, but you, you can't. They, I know one thing. They put out four options, and all of them suck. Because all of them start – on September 18th. So it's just pushing it later and later when, again, you need to get this over with earlier and earlier. Uh, It it doesn't look good. I will say this. I'm an optimist. It doesn't look good because we have people who who are in positions to make really important decisions, and they're so damn fearful of everything that they won't make a good decision because they're so afraid over the reaction that they're going to get. So they would rather get a tough reaction if people say, oh, my gosh, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? You know, you, you should let them play other than, oh, my God, everybody's going to die because you're bringing it back too early. They're, they're afraid of that cancel culture coming and attacking them that they're just like, well, let's just be as cautious as we can and just shut everything down because, you know what, we're okay with the major, majority of people thinking that what we're doing is insane. But we don't want the minority, which is the loudest, stepping up and yelling and screaming at us all the time. Well, what they should do is just let these kids go back to playing ball and get this over with as soon as you can. That way, you know, you're not trying to play playoff games into December. Because right now, that's what it looks like to me. At least Thanksgiving weekend, they would still be playing. Is that is that not what you – is that – I mean, is my math a little off there? No, but I, but I mean – Aren't the state championships in Tennessee, aren't they normally played that first week in December? I think they uh, are. Sometime around there, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, so, they I would. Mean, it would just be pushed. I mean, it'd be closer. I think state championships, honestly, would probably be close. Unless they format the playoffs a little bit differently. Um, sure. But most of the, uh, I, I believe, the state championships <laughs> might get pushed to that next week or you know, probably the week right before Christmas. Yeah, and I mean, obviously, that's not weather's the coldest. It just—it it doesn't sound—it doesn't sound like it's a good idea. Uh, you know, they—they they should have stepped up here and said, "Hey, we're gonna—we're gonna cancel seven on seven in scrimmages. You keep practicing within your team." Which I'm glad they're still able to do that. Uh, but you know, nonetheless, you know, they—they they should have started football season on time. They need to start. They need to start school on time. You know, some of the some of the top lead pediatricians in, in the globe. Uh, and in the world, there's, there's some up in Canada at Children's Hospital there in Toronto, and, and they have said 100% kids need to be back in school as soon as possible. Yeah. No reason to keep them out of school. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that the most structure they have in their life is when they are at school physically. Right. That's the most structure they have. And, and we could go on down the list, list of reasons why kids need to be in school. Uh, but, you know, some really smart people are telling us, hey, kids need to be back in school. They need to be back in school. They need to get back into their athletic programs. I mean, my four-year-old, Ethan, is able to go to her dance class, and they're going to have a dance recital. But you're telling me kids that are 15, 16, 17, 18 years old can't play organized high school sports. That's definitely, yeah, it's it's definitely <laughs> it mind-boggling. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and, and I'll tell you this, as a parent, listen, I love my children more than anything in this world. My four-year-old starts kindergarten this fall. I have zero concerns with the coronavirus and sending her to school. And so I feel like if I can say that, you know, if I put myself in the position of a high school parent, I would have zero reservations about my high school student going out there and playing sports. You know, now, again, if they had a major underlying health condition, especially respiratory, I would be very concerned. 
But you take all that out of it, if they're perfectly healthy, then, then I would feel fine sending them to play. I mean, we, we've got to stop overreacting to this coronavirus and just get back to normal life. Again, I've said in the, uh, previous episodes, it, it is most of the people that are dying probably would have died in the next 12 to 18 months regardless. Uh, you know, and a lot of older people seem to normally die of pneumonia. So it seems like coronavirus has just kind of stepped in and those deaths that would normally be pneumonia deaths uh, have kind of turned into corona deaths. So, you know, I, I think it's a huge overreaction and we've got to get this somewhat back to normal and we've got to do it pretty quick uh, because it, it, people need something to take their mind off of the craziness going on in our world right now and sports at any level is a great way to get away from that. And I think that's why we need sports back. I am an optimist. I hope it happens. I believe it'll happen. Uh, if Will it happen in the best way possible? No. Uh, but at some point, we will get them. At, at some point. And the TSSAA, they'll meet again later on this month to see which plan they're going to kind of go with. Um, and, and who knows if, if the order is able to be lifted or not in, in the state of Tennessee sooner. So we'll see how this all plays out and across the nation as well. Um, uh, I know that there's a lot of uh, a lot of kids who are tweeting out right now, let us play. So we're going to see what happens. Uh, we'll keep an eye on it. But for this, uh, for this Schmidt break, Justin, I appreciate are, are your time, gonna, man. Real quick, we're not going to cover uh, Jay Cutler catching his chicken killing? Or do you want to save that as a tease for next episode? I guess we're saving it for a tease for next episode. <laughs> hey, well, Ethan, listen, I'm I'm so brave, okay? I'm going to fly into one of the most hot spots of Corona. I'm flying into Florida midweek next week because I'm just so damn brave. Wear your mask. I'm going to get on a plane. Wash your hands. I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to fly into Florida, and we're going to see what's going on down there with the Corona. Uh, now I'm going to wear my mask on the beach. Uh, that's just not going to happen. You, you uh, don't want a bad tan line. That That's exactly it. I mean, with this beautiful face I have, I, I don't want any obstructions in it. A face only your wonderful mother, Miss Kim, could love and your wonderful wife, Amanda, could love. But, Justin, <laughs> uh, I look forward to it, man. I might I might give you at least one Schmidt break off next week, but you might have to call me from the beach, man. I, I just feel like that's well, it might have to happen. Look, look we, we've got, a, we've got a, a great house down there private pool uh so you know call me and i can come to you poolside with a miller light in hand in the great state of florida ran by governor ron DeSantis, who's done a great job handling the coronavirus so we, we can do it and i'll bring you some positive news from florida that sounds good man I, I think we all we all need some positive news right now justin thank you so much for your time this has been the schmidt break and this has been episode 14 of talking schmidt uh, again We thank you guys so much for listening, and we hope that you join us again next week.